Ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a real treat. It is the final week of our conversation around the idea of Start Here, Go Anywhere, written by my dear friend Richie Hughes, who is here today, by the way. Come on now, isn't that exciting? And so all month long, we've been diving in to this fantastic book. Uh, many of you have already received a copy of this book. You've purchased that after one of our gatherings. We literally have just a couple of handfuls of books left between both campuses. So today, I want to make sure that you get a book. The whole idea around this book is making good choices and recovering from bad, from bad decisions or from bad choices. And I've tried to do the book justice throughout the series. It's a fantastic read, and it really is a privilege and an honor to have uh, Richie Hughes with us here today. His wife Stephanie is here. A couple of dear friends are here as well. Now, in a moment, Richie's going to come out, and let me give you a little bit of an introduction. Uh, he has served in ministry for many, many years. Uh, he was the right-hand guy or the executive pastor at Free Chapel Church with Jensen Franklin for many, many years. Currently, they are working at a fantastic church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Redemption to the Nation's Church, and of course, author, husband, dad of two daughters, a tremendous man. And so at Go Church, we always give honor. And I'm going to ask you to stand today in just a moment to put your hands together and to welcome my dear friend, Richie Hughes. You're going to notice right away that he's in a walking boot. At the beginning of January, he had complete ankle replacement surgery. Come on now. And so today, he's going to take the approach of, of having a conversation with us this way. But here's where you've got to come in. Today, as he's making his way to the stage, it could take Richie seven, eight, nine minutes to get out here. Come on. So I need you to clap until he's here. Can you do that? All right. Come on. Stand to your feet. Go church. Both campuses. Put your hands together. Keep the applause coming until Pastor Richie Hughes makes his way here. God bless you. Hey, that was good, man. Come on. Love you, bud. Thank you. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm trying to work this thing into a little strut, you know, have a little strut in my step. I hadn't quite figured it out yet. I, I, uh, my buddy Cal's here. We played a lot of basketball together, and I, I just stepped on too many feet when I shot back in the day, and finally I ran out of juice. But uh, I hope you got this book. How many of you got this book? If you don't, go get one or 17 or 28 uh, copies of that. And uh, I'm just so honored to be here. I've heard so much about this great church for so many years, and I've followed the ministry of, of your pastor, Pastor J.C. I'm going to sit down if y'all don't mind because uh, i got about three more weeks left before I can dunk again. So, <clears throat> But, you know, when I think of J.C. Worley, and I, it's my first time at this church, I've known all about it. I've known all about the church in Germantown. Hello, Germantown uh, in D.C., area, but I, I look at J.C. and I get envious. How many of you know that envy is a sin? Jealousy is a sin. So I took the time to watch all four messages leading up to today of him preaching my material, and I'm really ticked because he did it better than I can. So our bishop from North Georgia, Tom Madden, who oversees all the churches in North Georgia, called and said, hey, what are you preaching? I said, I don't know. There's nothing left. He squeezed every bit of juice out of it. So I hope I got something today that will work for you. But I look at J.C. and he's an amazing church administrator, strategist, uh, preacher. Not many people can do all of those roles. He, I say it this way, he's all that and a full head of hair. It irritates me that these guys with this great hair do these old-time fades back in the day that we got. Cause see, I got the reverse fade. I got this cul-de-sac. All that and a full head of hair. My therapist says three more months, I'll be out of this state of depression and envy. But uh, my wife is with me today. Would you stand? She's going to get so mad. Her name is Godly Hottie. Welcome, Godly Hottie. 
Stephanie, my wife of 26 years from Mayretta. Uh, we met in Mayretta and um, so glad that she could be with us. We have two daughters. If you could put those up on the screen, you can see our two daughters. That's Hallie on the left and Kaylee on the right. How many of you are single? Anybody single? Leave that up for me, please. <laughs> Anybody single? I want to encourage you because if I can marry her and be a part of that, there is hope for you. Amen? Come on, somebody. We were in Mobile, Alabama preaching for Travis Johnson, and uh, I said that same thing. If I can do that, marry her and be a part of that, and this sweet little old, well, she's not so sweet, actually. She's about 70 years old and kind of irritated me. She was sitting right back there. She said, how did you do that? I said, none of your business, ushers. We have a distractor. Get her out of here. There's hope for you. There is hope for you. Uh, I do want to say this before we get going. Uh, the book sales go to feed hungry children, and you need to know that. It goes to feed those two hungry children. They, uh, those two hungry children. They, uh, it's the difference in them eating ramen noodles as college students and maybe splurging for a five for five at Crystal. If you buy all of them, we get a value pack at Chick-fil-A. Don't forget that. Um, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 24. We're going to get right into the word. And I, again, I followed how eloquently Pastor JC has done in getting this out. I love Pastor Micah, your worship leader, old time friend of mine. Pastor Ben has already preached a message that was powerful. Uh, as you're turning, I heard about a lady named Sarah. Sarah was the self-appointed church arbiter of the church's business, and she kept sticking her nose in everybody's business, and she gossiped a lot, and she posted a lot on social media that was very critical and accus accus accusatory in nature. She made a mistake one day, though, when she approached George, who was a new member of the church. George was quiet. He didn't say a whole lot. But she accused George of being an alcoholic because she had seen George's truck parked in front of the only bar in town. Seeing his truck on the outside, she automatically made the assumption that she knew exactly what was going on on the inside of the bar. Accusing George in front of the rest of the church, she made no bones about it. She called him out, said, you're an alcoholic. I saw your truck outside the bar, so I know what you were doing on the inside. George was a quiet man. He didn't defend himself. He didn't deny anything. He simply walked away. But later that night, George parked his pickup truck in front of Sarah's house. <laughs> and he left it there overnight. Say this with me. I refuse to gossip. I refuse to speak negatively. I will love this church. I will encourage my pastor. I will only post positive things about this church, about this pastor, and all of my church family. Do you mean it? Can I get one more thing from you? I will build up, even brag about today's guest speaker. Amen. Somebody give me an amen. Joshua 24, 15 is where Pastor JC started, but 
the basis of everything that I'm going to talk about today is based on this scripture. It says this, choose you this day whom you will serve. Now that's the King James Version and other translations say different things. But basically it's saying choose it. If you're going to serve God, are you going to serve man? Are you going to be in the word? Are you going to live in the world? I want you to understand how close those two are. When you think about living in the word, claiming the word versus living in the world, it's only separated by one letter. And that letter just happens to be L. Anybody sports, like sports, you like sports? Cal and I used to coach basketball, played basketball. You know that we, we were judged by W's and L's. And it's interesting to me that the word has never had an L. But the world... You can't spell world without the letter L, W's and L's. So today I'll say it this way. You have a choice. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be the priest of my home before I'm the pastor of this church. I'm going to be the priest of my home before I go to work every day on my commute and do what I do to earn a living to support my family. We're going to serve the Lord. If you're going to live here, you're going to serve the Lord. Now, we're not perfect I'm far from it. My wife never makes a mistake, but I do. My girls sometimes trip and fall, but we get up, we dust ourselves off, we ask for forgiveness, and we say, Lord, help us to learn from this mistake and never make it again. See, we're called to live a lifestyle of holiness, amen? Choose you this day whom you will follow. No one can make this choice for you. That means it's all on you. It's up to you. You must make the choice. This choice is the foundation. It's the basis. It's the very filter that every choice that you make after that goes through. Whom will you serve? Because see, who we live for decides how we live, what we stand for, and what we will fall for. Choose you this day. Make a new start. You know, this is the last day of the first month of a new year. And we're not even going to use that word profanity that, that last year's, I'm going to say it, 2020. Some people think that's profane. It's gone. We got a new start. You're still in the first month of the, of the, of the next year, 11 months to go. How many of you set resolutions? How many of you already broke them? You can start again. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ is you can continue to start all over. You get a new start, a blank slate. You can always start all over again. See, here's how I believe it. You got to take that first step to make that start. See, everybody wants to be thin, but nobody wants to diet. Everybody wants to make more money, but they don't want to work more hours. In fact, they would rather work from home on Zoom now. That's a little too close to home. than to go into the office and work the hours they used to. We've gotten spoiled. But see, we've got to make a start. We've got to take the step. We've got to do our part. And here's how this thing works. This is a simple mathematical equation for you. We have to do our part in order to have God do his part. We can't ask God to do his part and we don't do our part. See, I can't look at God and say, hey, God, I'm about 10 pounds heavier than my playing weight. And it's all settled right here in the waist. So I believe you are God. You can do all things. There, there is nothing that's impossible to you. So right now, in Jesus' name, remove 10 pounds off my waistline. Make it cut up like it used to be. Give me a six, give me an eight pack. In Jesus' name, I claim it. Amen. Did he do it? No. Could he do it? 
Yeah. Why didn't he do it? I didn't do my part. I didn't do my part. This, this is like the below the Cheetos line. This is the BCL. And I can't pray, God, take this Cheeto as I eat it and as it passes the esophageal tube, turn it into a carrot. So I get nutritional value, but I get the taste of a Cheeto, but it, it doesn't work that way. I have to do my part to allow God to do his part. 2021, what are you willing to start? What new thing are you willing to start that you've never done before in order to achieve something or get something that you've never had before? What is that? That's what ought to be your New Year's resolution. Some of you have been on a 20-day fast, 20-day, 21-day uh, prayer and fasting. You don't have to stop that. When those 21 days in, you don't have to stop that. You can continue in that prayer life that you've had that forced focus of prayer. So see, it's all on you. The decision is on you. And here's what I would say to you today. In doing your part, you have to do this. You got to start where you are. You got to use what you got. And you got to do what you can do. So when you do your part, it's minimal. Some would say it's minuscule. But when God does his part, it's monumental. Even exponential. If I asked you this question today, what's five plus two, you would say? In God's economy, five plus two is 5,000 with a remainder of 12. See, Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. And here's what's really cool. My wife pointed this out to me the other day. She said, why do you think there were 12 baskets left over? I said, I don't know. What difference does it make? Jesus fed 5,000 people. That's what we need to focus on. She said, no, no, no. Could it be that God wanted those 12 disciples to have a take-home box? They got a little lunch for tomorrow. I love leftovers. See, Jesus is always thinking ahead. He's always providing. He's always exceeding expectations. He's always giving us a, a return on investment that's better than GameStop was this week. Amen? That's my God. He fed the 5,000. Jesus did this. He started where he was. He used what he had. And he did what only he could do. It's a simple formula. Where did all this start? My book says start here and go anywhere. And I truly believe that. You can start today and go anywhere. The only limits that you are having are those that you place on yourself. Where did it all start? I think you got to go back to this book right here. See, I believe this is where it all started. And I believe that the Bible starts out in the book of Genesis. It says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Can we agree on that? not going to dispute that right if you live in the word and not the world that's what you hold on to that's what your belief system is see I believe that God created Adam and Eve right anybody agree with that the word says it so I believe it and and I, I'm not going to get political I don't I don't care about politics I'm not getting into all that but the trend right now is all about follow the science and I have a bachelor's of science I love science. I love to watch how everybody's disputing, but even the scientists can't get along. That one says this and one says that and one disputes this and one says that and two weeks later they change their mind and CDC says this and then they say that. I've had COVID, it's real. It was awful. But the scientists can't agree. So rather than follow the science, I'm gonna follow the word. I'm gonna claim what this book says right here. And, I, and by the way, some of these same guys that are telling us how we need to live our lives, are the same guys that say you and I evolved from apes and tadpoles and lizards. And 
There's a dispute about that on me, but I know my wife didn't come from no ape. <laughs> Godly Heidi was created in God's image. The jury's still out on Richie Hughes. But I want to say it this way. If you don't believe in the book and you don't believe in the word, then we can't really help you. But in times where common sense is controversial, hold on to this book right here. Believe what the Bible says. Here's what I want to say about Adam and Eve. T picture this. Adam and Eve had it all. God had given them everything they could ever need and everything they could ever want. Everything. Think about it. They lived in a constant euphoric state of, new, er, of nirvana. There was no sin. There was no sickness. There was no pandemic. There was no pain. There were no headaches. There were no boots in the garden. On top of that, every evening in the cool of the day, God Almighty would come and walk and talk with Adam and Eve. And it wasn't enough. It was not enough. They wanted more. So the serpent wiggles in, deceives Eve, tells her a lie that she believes. She tells Adam, hey, let's go back there to that tree, the forbidden fruit, and let's take a bite. And they did. Think about the consequences of that one action. That one action in the first book of the Bible at the beginning of time has influenced and impacted every one of us that have lived since that time. So here's what I believe. Our choices impact those that we love the most. Our choices don't just impact us. They impact everyone around us. Adam and Eve's choice brought sin and pain, nakedness, didn't even know what nakedness was. That one choice has impacted every generation. That's what this Bible says. I look at it this way. When I think about it, I'm a visual guy, and I've got to see things in modern-day terms. I have a hard time with sci-fi movies because I can't believe it. I have to see things that happen right now. That's why I like Denzel Washington, because all his movies are about right now. They're real. So when I think of it from this perspective, I look at it and I say, what if Stephanie and I were called by the Walton family? in Arkansas, and they said, hey, Rich, Steph, we're going to give you every Walmart in America. Everything in Walmart is yours every day, all day long. Go to the grocery store, get you some meat, get you some seafood, get you some snacks, get you some cakes, get you some donuts. Thank God for donuts. Amen. In Jesus' name, donut. Get you some, get you some new clothes, get you some shoes, go back to the technology department, get you that 70-inch smart TV, get you the new Airbuds. Go over here and get you some furniture. Go get you new fishing rods. Get you anything you want. Go to my favorite section. Go to the toy section. Get you a new bicycle. Get you all this stuff. This is all yours. But there is a broom closet in the back in Hope, Arkansas, a thousand miles from here. And in that broom closet, there's a basket of apples. I just don't want you to go back in there. Is that okay? That's what Adam and Eve, that's what they gave up. It's a modern-day illustration for you and I to understand what God gave Adam and Eve that they chose to forget, impacting us forever from that time. See, here's what happened. Eve listened to the wrong voice. And because of that, she made the wrong choice. When you listen to the wrong voice, you will make wrong choices. Let's look at this process. Pastor J.C. taught you this. There is an Austrian 
psychologist named Alfred Adler. And Alfred Adler would teach you that we're not as spontaneous a, a folk as we think we are. We're not necessarily obsessive compulsive like the diagnosis, but every action that we take starts with a thought. It all starts in our minds. And that mindset becomes a situation where we either allow that thought to fester, to advance into a feeling, or we squelch it. See, every day, I think Pastor JC said 35,000 thoughts enter our mind, and some of those are not good. They're not healthy. I'm a human being. You're a human being. We have thoughts. We think ill will. We think bad thoughts. We have to squelch that thought before it becomes a feeling because once we have that thought and it becomes a feeling, then like Eve, it says, hmm, I think I would like to take a bite of that apple. I think that would taste good. It would make me feel good. And then you take that action. And that action impacts all those around you, especially those that you love the most. So squelch the thought before it becomes a feeling. Here's what I would say to you. Choices made equal consequences paid. Every choice results in one of two responses, either a consequence or a reward. You make a bad choice, you suffer the consequences. You make a good choice, you gain the reward. Every choice has consequences. Where you eat, Cheeto or a carrot, McDonald's or Panera, everything that you do, has a response. So examine your choices. Are you earning consequences? Are you earning rewards today? So here's, here's another example. Alcohol, drug abuse. I heard Pastor JC preach about this on one of the messages, talked about the influences of alcohol. Some parts of it not a heaven or hell issue. It's just, you got to understand it. And, and alcohol porn, all these things that we deal with. Oh, Richie, that's an addiction. It started with a thought. In the beginning, it was a thought that you allowed to manifest that became a feeling that became an action. It all started in the mind. It became a choice before it was ever an addiction. You know, growing up in the, the Vatican City, Cleveland, Tennessee of our denomination, uh, I was taught really strictly everything that we did not believe. We knew everything we didn't believe. No sex, no drugs, no alcohol, no chewing, no spitting, no cussing. I didn't have a clue what I believed in, but I knew what I didn't believe in. They even taught us that we were against premarital sex because it could lead to dancing. <laughs> it was strict. But what about, they never told us that lying was wrong. Never told us that gossiping was wrong, that Critical thoughts and critical words were wrong. If I'm hitting you between the eyes today, I got good news for you. You can make a fresh start. You can stop destructive behavior. You can ask forgiveness to a Savior who died on the cross for your sins to say, I'm going to wipe all that away. Good news today. You can make a fresh start. Rewards versus consequences. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Adam and Eve listened to the wrong voice. Wrong choices, did wrong, impacted all of us. But let me turn the tables a minute. What about Abraham? See, Abraham was the... Father Abraham was the friend of God, wasn't he? 
That's what his legacy is. When we think of Adam and Eve, we think of those who took the fall for mankind. But when we think of Father Abraham, remember that old song? Some of y'all Church of God, oh, she's doing the hand motions. Oh, my goodness. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. Father Abraham, friend of God. I am a friend of God. Israel Houghton used to sing about Abraham. See, Abraham was just the opposite. Everybody who came after Abraham was blessed because of Abraham. So let's go back where it started. Look at Genesis. First, chapter 21, it says God was with Abraham in all that he did. Genesis 24 said Abraham was old, but the Lord had blessed him in every way. Hebrews 6 says, having waited patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. And the promises of God are yes and amen. Let me hit that word waited for just a minute because I want to I explain that to you. Your waiting season is not a wasted season. Understand God answers every prayer that you've ever prayed. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Other times he says, hey, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart, but you're not ready yet. Let me develop you a little bit. Let me grow you a little bit. And when you're ready, then I'm going to take care of it. See, I was 29 years old when I finally married Godly Hottie. I waited a long time, but it was worth it. You know why I had to wait so long? Because I was looking for the right one instead of trying to be the right one. See, if you're single today, there's hope. Your waiting season is not a wasted season. You're waiting for that promotion at work. It's not a wasted season. Keep working hard. Keep digging in. You want career advancement? Keep working hard. Keep showing your boss. Keep showing people how hard you work, how bad you want something. Your waiting season is never a wasted season. That's where you obtain the promises of God. The book of James finally says, Abraham believed God, therefore he was called the friend of God. What was Abraham's part? He believed God. Therefore, the reward was he's called the friend of God. In the beginning, where it all started, What did Abraham leave for his children? What are you leaving for your children? See, I have a portion of my paycheck taken out each week, put into a retirement fund with the goal of one day being able to leave my children an inheritance, right? Probably most of you do too. I have a goal that says I want to give them enough to give them a little cushion. I don't want them to not work. I want them to work. I want them to be productive, but I want to give them just a little bit of cushion, a little bit of a rainy day account just in case something happens. Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. Check this out. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. That's the promise God gave Abraham. I want that promise. I want that from God. See, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I don't have to take somebody out because they mess with me. God's got my back. But I sure do want everybody who comes in association. You heard of guilty by association? I want blessings by association. That's why we got friends like Cal and Christy Boyd who love the Lord, who, who, who go to church, who lead their kids in the same direction that we lead, their, we lead our kids in. Surround yourself with the right people of like mind who love the Lord. And all in you, all families on this earth will be blessed. Check this out. Genesis 26 says this. I will give your descendants all of this land. There's the inheritance that God gave Abraham simply because he believed. Only because he believed. He chose to live a life pleasing to God. You know, I look at it this way, and, and 
you know, we're all praying for our country. And let me just hit it this way. Any man who sit, any man or woman who sits in that White House is my president. I'm going to say that again. Any man or woman who sits in that White House is my president. Okay? And I'm going to pray fervently every day for my president, for my Congress, for my Senate. I'm not into the R's and the D's and, and all this. They've been elected. They need to serve us. But we need to pray that they have godly wisdom in all of their decisions. That's my prayer for our government right now. And in these times when it seems to be chaotic, I want you to understand that nothing under God's control is ever out of his control. Nothing under God's control is ever out of his control. So my 21-year-old, you saw her, she's a baller. She'll cross you over, back up three in your face, and you won't know what hits you. But she said the other day that grieved me, she said, Daddy, I, I don't know if when I get married, I, I don't know that I could bring a child into this world. It's just chaotic, Daddy. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, it's just, it's dangerous. It's, it's crazy. Stuff going on is crazy. I don't know that I want to bring a child in. And I had to say, hey, babe, Isaiah 59 says this, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. His ear is not too dull to hear our prayers and our cries. Understand this, Psalm 121 says, The Lord is the strength of my life. He is guarding every area of my life, and he always will. See, Abraham's blessing was for generation after generation after generation. Y'all may sing that song. And their children, and their children, and their children, and their children. And it goes like 28 times. And their children. And my grandchildren are covered in that prayer. So I told my daughter, hey, you keep your head up. You live a life pleasing unto God and trust God. Believe God like Abraham, and all's going to be okay. My brother, Eddie, was named Eddie Joe, Edward Joseph. And as ugly as I am, he was that good looking. He got all the looks, all the talent. He could sing. He could dance. He was awesome. When he graduated high school, he headed for the Big Apple, and he said, I'm going to go make it. I'm going to go make it big. 18 years old, living in New York City. Got a job on a riverboat, show, show riverboat on the Hudson River and living his dream, but pursuing his dream in such a way that he didn't care what it took to get where he wanted to go. Made some really, really bad choices. Got involved with alcohol, got involved with drugs, got involved in a lifestyle that proved to be destructive, contacted the AIDS virus. I'm thinking, man, I'm a basketball coach. I live in a testosterone jungle. This can't happen to me. I'm watching Magic Johnson. What's going on? This is, this is not real. This can't happen. My, my brother? Come on, God. I don't understand this, God. This can't happen to me. He's got a death sentence. But here's what I want you to understand. Made some poor choices. It, it, it devastated our family. It impacted us. His choices impacted us. But here's what I want you to understand. In the final days of his life, he made one choice that canceled a lifetime of poor choices. See, I picture God again in that Walmart. I picture God with like this 700-foot screen. And I picture the day of judgment this way. All our sins are going to come up. And I look at Jesus dying on the cross for the right to say, control, alt, delete, and wiping them clean. 
He can do that for you because he did that for my brother. My brother's walking the streets of gold looking Jesus face to face because he made one choice that canceled a lifetime of decision. Well, Rich, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. Uh, do you got AIDS? Are you dying? Bad choices. God can deliver you from anything. Jesus Christ died for the worst in all of us. And I've already told you that sex, alcohol, and drugs may be the big three, but lying and gossiping and cheating are just as bad. There's no sin scale that says, ah, no. Yours is a 10 and yours is a three. It does not work that way. You are forgiven or you're not. It's either all-encompassing or it's not. One choice canceled a lifetime of poor choices. Are you getting rewards? Or are you suffering the consequences? Take a moment to reflect. How have your choices impacted those that you love, those around you? The last chapter of the book is my favorite because it says, the title is, How Can I Trust When I Don't Understand? See, there are things on earth that we're never going to understand. Things on earth. I'm the oldest of three children, the only one still alive. Brother died at 28 of age. Sister died at 32. Asphyxiation from an epileptic seizure in her bed. My mom walked in and found her. Something like that's happened in your life. You've suffered great loss. You've been through grieving processes. So I don't have a brother or a sister, but I still got a mother and a father, 79, 77 years old. My wife was an orphan at 39. Her mom and dad died early. I can't relate to hers and she can't relate to mine. We can't relate to yours. But everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got things that have grieved you, losses, lost your job, lost your health. Everybody has losses. How we handle those losses is how we will be judged. What legacy we leave is what people will think of us. If I say Abraham was the friend of God, Adam and Eve were the fall of man, which would you rather be? What will your legacy be? Pastor JC told you to write your own epitaph late, lately. I saw the message. What will that look like when you're no longer around? Isaiah 55, 9 says this, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What that says to me is that God's saying, you're not going to understand because you can't think like I do. Because as God, I see the past, the present, and the future, and you don't. I'm going to put you in the best position for you to get that W and not take that L. There are things we'll never understand until we're on the other side of this life. And we can approach God and say, okay, I'm here now. Tell me why my brother and sister had to die before me. Tell me why her mom and dad had to die early. Tell me why I lost my job. Tell me why I lost my health. Tell me why I got sick. Tell me what this pandemic was all about, God. Because we don't understand, but our job is to trust. Abraham believed. Therefore, he was the friend of God. Well, Richie, you sound like one of those glass half full guys. And, you know, half empty, half full. Uh, yeah, I'm a glass full and running over living the abundant life. I want all that God's got for me. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. You can receive that today. You can hit control, alt, delete. You can wipe away everything that you've ever done wrong. You can cancel a lifetime of poor choices that have affected others in one act of salvation or rededication this morning. 
In a moment, we're going to pray. But I want to ask you today, who needs to make a new start? What do you need to ask forgiveness from? What feelings do you need to let go? What thoughts do you need to squelch? What actions do you need to repent from? We do this on a daily basis because we're very imperfect in my family. But as for me and my house, our choices are based on that foundation that we will serve the Lord. Stand with me if you will. I don't know how you do it here. I hope Pastor JC doesn't care, but if I can, just a minute, I just want to pray for you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want you to take about 10 seconds and reflect. What choices are you making? How are you impacting others? What legacy are you leaving? What corrections do you need to make? See, as a coach, I loved halftime because I got to go in and I, get, I got to fix and make corrections of all the things we did wrong in the first half. We're closing out the first month of the year with 11 months to go. It's halftime. It's, it's first quarter time. It's correction time. It's time to correct the things you need to correct today. Every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody's looking around. But you would be honest with yourself today and you would say, hey, I need to make a new start today. I want this year to be productive. I want this year to be memorable. I want to leave my mark on society. I want to be a blessing to my family. If that's you with nobody looking around, would you just raise your hand? Let me see your hand. Praise the Lord. You can put them down. Just so you know, you're one of about three dozen. I'm going to pray a short little prayer with you. I want you to understand the power of this prayer. If you raised your hand or if you should have, I'm going to give you another chance. I just feel like the Lord's saying, you need to raise your hand and go public where Richie can see it. Nobody else is going to see it, but Richie can see it. If you didn't raise your hand and you should have, and you want a second chance to make a fresh new start, show me your hand right now. There's another 20. Thank you, Lord. Pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it silently. You can do it however you want to. But because the battle starts in the mind, I want us to pray this way. Dear God, clear my mind and cleanse my heart. I am what I am by the grace of God. And that is enough. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Tell him you love him. Tell him you submit to him. Tell him today, Lord, I'm putting my plans in your hands. I'm asking you to bless those plans. I'm going to pray a blessing prayer over you. I'm going to let Mike and the team take you home. Pastor JC can come back up and close us out. Stretch your hand this way. Everybody in the building, let me pray. This is called my 5P prayer. Lord, today I pray over every person on, under the sound of my voice and online. I pray for you today for peace protection, prosperity, promotion, and productivity in all you do in Jesus' name. Amen.